Welcome to Take It From The Top, a podcast series that offers a smorgasbord of wisdom from notable leaders in the water sector to help you navigate your way through the tangle of challenges you face today. I am Tom Kunitz, your host, and my guest today is a former trustee of WEF, Klaus Homan. Welcome, Klaus. Thank you very much, Tom. I'm glad you invited me to this uh, conversation with all these uh, fabulous guests you've had before. Thank you. Klaus, it's, it's great to hear your voice and always great to, to have you. And um, I think that most people in the water sector know who you are. But for those who don't, you know, in addition to being on the WEF Board of Trustees, you currently are the Chief Operating Officer at Aarhus Vant, or Aarhus Water, translated into English. And this is in Denmark. And if you're not up on your Scandinavian geography, Aarhus is the second largest city in Denmark. So it'd be, if the Copenhagen is New York, Aarhus is Los Angeles. So uh, Klaus, Aarhus Vans provides drinking water, wastewater collection, stormwater management for the city. Give us a sense of size, about how many people in the city of Aarhus? Oh, we cover in the municipality of Aarhus about 350,000 people. And, uh, we consider ourselves being uh, one-tenth of the Danish population, though we are six million in Denmark. So that's great. That's a fairly sized city. So the complexity of the work that you do there, uh, the whole uh, water cycle, drinking water, storm water, waste water, uh, it's, it's very encompassing. So I, I had the opportunity actually to visit Aarhus a, a few years ago. WEF uh, had the Great Water City Summit that was hosted by the city of Aarhus. So I had the chance to be there. And I was impressed. And one of the most lasting impressions I have of my visit there was how much of the city life embraces water? Yeah, I think, uh, yes, we embrace water. And I believe it's because Aarhus, or Aras, as it was called in the old Viking times, was established uh, in the year 900 by the Vikings. And it's actually the river mouth of the river of Aarhus. So it's a very active uh, harbor area, both with commercial and recreation boating. And we have the coastline, a very, very nice beaches. It's Aarhus is uh, located in the bay, and uh, the river uh, of Aarhus was many years uh, ago actually covered uh, with culverts because we have combined sewer uh, overflow uh, to the river. And uh, in 2000, it was opened up because we uh, have done a lot of work to improve that overflow. And uh, now we are in a situation where you're able actually to have swim water in the harbor of uh, Aarhus, just like uh, the city of Copenhagen. And that has become a very uh, a strong uh, picture of how clean the river, the bay, etc. are. And, and that, that's fantastic image that you created there, Klaus, about people swimming in the harbor. Uh, folks who've not been there before, you have to imagine, imagine like you're in New York City and uh, people are jumping into the East River and swimming. This is what it's like in Aarhus. And uh, Klaus talked about uncovering the culvert, which I saw as well. And now they have a, the river is back to flowing through the city, uh, re reminiscent of uh, San Antonio, Texas, and, and the river walk there. It's just brought so much life back to the city. Uh, and this, the city itself has a very lively and youthful vibe. I think part of it's due to, the, this, it's a center for research, so it just brings that type of uh, person to the city. And it's also the home to Aarhus University, which is the largest university, not only in Denmark, but in all of Scandinavia. So, so I wanna to talk to you, Klaus, about how this vibe, or maybe this collective energy, if you will, 
uh, in the city has influenced the way that the city government and Aarhus Vaughan in particular has responded to the coronavirus pandemic. So why don't you set the context for us? Tell us briefly, what's the current situation with the pandemic in Denmark? First of all, I should mention that the government of Denmark took uh, the virus uh, threat very seriously and, uh, and uh, took uh, a big step to, of closing down both uh, the country and uh, the borders to the country. And uh, I think we were scared of the Italian situation and, and looked at the pictures, what uh, happened there that might come to us. So we needed to prepare the, uh, the health uh, service actually to be in place to deal with the situation. And that close down actually uh, resulted uh, that uh, even the close down of school and uh, also companies where you were able to work from home so we had very, very quiet street, but we also were able to open up very quickly. And it is important to keep both the motivation of people, but also to keep a business going where you can control the, the virus. So we reopened, uh, and uh, there has been a resurgence of cases, but by imposing distance rules from uh, two meters uh, down to one meter here recently, and uh, stay at home orders, uh, the resurgence uh, subsided in a few weeks and as today the, some of the borders are still closed and has been over the summer holiday we've been able to travel to Norway, Germany and Spain but we look at the, at the virus numbers in the different countries and then uh, the government allows us uh, to travel but that can stop within a day or so. In Denmark, we have had uh, 18,500 confirmed cases and a little over 600 deaths from uh, Corona. And uh, I think it's uh, interesting that uh, a paper from Aarhus University showed that Danish uh, infection rate is pretty low due to a free and flexible uh, healthcare system. I think we all said, believe that we would be able to be taken care of in case that uh, emergency really break out. On the other hand, we also knew we, we wouldn't have limited, unlimited capacity. So we also need to take care not to exceed that limit. And the government and the professionals uh, were daily on television trying to uh, inform us of what was going on and what was the situation. So uh, because of, uh, of, of, of the Danish uh, people's uh, trust in government uh, uh, action, and also lack of uh, conspiracy theories and no panic uh, from the public. Uh, this high trust actually resulted in a 95% approval rating of our government handling of the pandemic. And all political parties actually stood behind our prime minister when she decided to close down because this was natural to, to support that because that was national health that was in, on stake. So that's a, Klaus, you're painting a very different picture than uh, what we're familiar with in the United States. You're talking about a strong sense of confidence in the government. Um, you talked about how all the political parties came together. together. 95% approval rating of the government's handling of the pandemic. We'll contrast that to the United States. Uh, Pew Research Center did a poll recently. It showed that 67% of Americans believe the coronavirus has significantly changed their lives. Compare that to only 27% of the Danes feeling that the virus has significantly changed your life. So it's a very remarkable difference 
in terms of controlling the spread of the pandemic and the impact on lives. Uh, you indicated a, a large part of this has to do with the, the trusting the government. Uh, uh, the same research showed that less Americans trust the approve of the way that the government has handled the pandemic. So I want to dig into this a little bit more. What is it that gives the Danish authorities the ability to achieve such a high level of confidence from the people? Well, for one thing, I believe that a small uh, country population uh, really makes it easier for our leaders uh, to stay connected to, to people. And uh, it's also common for our politicians and ministers to be relatively young, at least over the last uh, 10 years. Our present prime minister, Mette Frederiksen, for example, she's 42 years old. And this allows for a culture of looking for the future and not holding to the past. And uh, I can give you an example of this culture of vision also and forward thinking from my own organization, Oldsman. And uh, in January this year, for example, we started uh, implementing a new way of working called activity-based working or ABW in, uh, in short. And the ABW approach recognizes that people perform different activities in their day-to-day -day work and therefore they need a variety of work settings to carry out these activities efficiently. And each work setting must be proper arranged according to the need for the actual work. And uh, in our utility, we have at least 10 different work settings and uh, we have no assigned uh, cubic list. Uh, we do our work in war room, breakout rooms, quiet libraries, in canteen, over coffee, in one-to-one -one setting, and so on. And uh, each of these settings is designed for a specific activity to take place. And the furniture also sort of uh, frame the room uh, for the specific purpose. And it's not just a decoration also, though we do like to have it uh, nice and, and, and beautiful. And uh, it's very functional. And how the room is organized uh, also affect the meeting. I mean, you probably all know when you are in a pretty odd room, uh, sometimes you get odd ideas and etc. And open seating allows for a flow of people in the office. And uh, instead of a classroom seating where you actually control information, and many offices look like a place where you control information and people and want to organize them in specific group. But here we are very flexible and uh, we merge between different departments and, and situations. And one of the most important things is that the trust from leaders and also between people is the grease that allows us to maneuver between unknown people, but also to uh, this ABW actually allows us to unfreeze the existing situation and start changing and interacting between people. Wow, Klaus, there's a, there's a lot of stuff right there. I want to unpack some of these things to make sure that uh, uh, we're understanding. One of the, th the first things you talked about, the youth and the culture of youth that helps drive the vitality and vision for the future and, and, and embracing the youth. And I think that's very, very important, which leads to embracing new ideas. You talk about this activity-based working system. You said 10 different types of workstations. You know, and this is not really a new concept. This is something that, that we in the United States have talked about, but you're actually embracing it and doing it. I know that sometimes some folks will say, well, here we have this little breakout room, but you're, I mean, you have actually 10 different types of settings for different purposes. And then the third thing that I think is so important, you talked about trust 
between the leaders and the people, which goes right back to what we were just talking about, the pandemic, and how the people and the, the government and the authorities establish that sense of trust. So here you're doing it at an organizational level. So now what's really interesting is you're describing what a computer scientist, Christopher Langton, came up with this term, liquid environment. And what he means by a liquid environment, it's a place where information and ideas can readily flow from one person to another, which is what you are doing with the activity-based working systems. You're setting up liquid environments intentionally so that when the people are meeting, they can have a, a greater sense of flow of information. And that leads to sparking new ideas. It leads to the next level of possible combinations. And like what LinkedIn was talking about is a group of people sitting around a table at the canteen having a lively conversation over a cup of coffee. That's a liquid environment. A CEO sitting by herself in a closed office with the door closed, that's not a liquid environment. Um, and so you've really accomplished something there by going to this activity-based working system. Exactly. It is our goal, actually. We are moving in a new headquarters in two years' time, so we'll work on this activity-based work for for quite some time to learn. So this uh, action learning approach is uh, very common to our approach also on technical matters. But uh, also an uh, approach to our purpose, uh, which is uh, we create a healthy life, with clean water for people and the planning, uh, is uh, knowing, uh, is knowledge sharing and uh, innovation. And to meet this goal, we need two things. We need to get data and in, in information in everybody's hand, uh, no matter where they are located. I mean, if they're on a train, if they're traveling, if they're at the plant, if they're at home. And then we need uh, to create an, an environment of connection across the organization and with external partners also with data. And the answer to that is uh, available data uh, by digitalization and also a high degree of automation allowing us uh, to act and operate uh, our plant and, and pump station, etc. So the information uh, flow in our entire uh, utility is digital or will be totally. And anyone can access information from, from anywhere right now. Before the pandemic, our treatment plant were only staffed with uh, one shift a day, five days a week. And we all love the responsibility and freedom it creates by having that responsibility. That means we delegate responsibility uh, as much as possible and also allow those who have the de uh, dedicated responsibility to be able to act by having data. Responsibility and freedom. And it, and it seems like you know, your employees and staff are very happy with that. To do that, as you said, you got to get the information into people's hand no matter where they are digitization, automation. So let me ask you about this concept of activity-based working. Okay, you set up this activity-based or ABW system in January of this year, 2020. Did this make you more prepared for the response to COVID? Definitely. We uh, put the infrastructure in place to allow for remote working and communication. So on uh, Friday, March 13, we were also to stay at home and work from home. Uh, and we had the digital platform in place. The only staff who truly need to be at the plant are the maintenance and service st staff, because you can't turn the rates uh, digitally yet. So one positive outcome of this virus is that water professionals 
the voice of Russell professional are much more heard now than it was in the past because everyone also in the organization realized that what is a critical infrastructure and our outdoor people are more critical than our office people. We found that we are more efficient working this way and uh, before widespread geographic workplaces separated us in large con consuming time for wastewater work to undress, shower, dress and transport for physical meeting at the headquarter. Now we invite all 125 people in my production department Friday morning for conferences with live transmission from several workplaces looking at people emptying the, the settlement tank and others uh, working on pumping station so that we actually see all together what we're doing at, uh, on that day and also some of the interesting uh, develop that has uh, happened. So we minimize the friction between inside and outside people because there are differences. But this really brings us together on the same platform and uh, uh, with a short notice so we can see our, each of us in uh, our natural environment and, uh, and setting. Another benefit is that fewer people at the plant, there's less chance for spreading infection. And also we have uh, separated uh, maintenance staff in small group allowing them to, learn, to work with their body and also uh, work directly from home to some of the places. And uh, that means that we have only so far had two positive tests in the whole organization. Uh, that's tremendous success there, uh, Klaus, only two positive tests. Uh, and I like this concept you're talking about inside people, outside people. But what you say is that through the digitization, the automation, it actually brings people closer without physically bringing them, but allowing them to stay in their environment where they function best. Um, so it's very forward thinking, your organization, since Aarhus Vond is an organization that looks to the future. Have you thought about what a post-pandemic world is going to look like in Aarhus Vond? And what's going to be your new normal? Well, at the beginning, we start talking about going back to normal, uh, but we realized that uh, we will not go back to normal. We will create a new future. So just talking about uh, that in, in that terms is uh, very important for us. We're still developing our activity-based uh, system and uh, we need to adjust it uh, up to January uh, 21 and also the way we work together. And I expect that the new normal will be some of the staff working uh, home up to three days a week uh, as the job allows. And I expect to see some personnel giving more flexibility to accomplish that job in the way that it suits them best. Because if, when we have close, time, time, close down from time to time, that means that uh, families and people are put on pressure uh, at home. But if we can uh, give them room to be able to do their job still, and they can take care of family matters and uh, remote education sometimes to assist the children on that, maybe taking care of sick children, etc., without uh, having to pay for, for holidays or days off from work. We are doing a tremendous job, and that kind of responsibility and, uh, uh, is important. It also highlighted, uh, based on research, that people working from home are much more efficient than we actually thought. Uh, and uh, sometimes people spend two hours on transport uh, to the office. Uh, one hour going, one hour, uh, one hour coming, one hour going, 
And if you take uh, those two hours from uh, seven and a half uh, working days, it's a big difference to assist the family uh, working from home. So empl employers must uh, do their job. The employees must do their job in the best way they can, and the leaders must trust, trust it. And each person is different. Different need means dealing with people in different matters and not just making rules that uh, applies for everyone. We will uh, plan all meetings to be double booked, uh, both in personal and virtual. And because uh, that means that we can actually do planning for the next uh, six months, being prepared for everyone. This means that a, pe uh, a person can join uh, virtually or can be in the office uh, that day and meet with maybe two or three uh, colleagues uh, around the, the virtual uh, meeting. And uh, that gives a lot of flexibility and, uh, and we can accomplish much more than we actually thought. And we can see maybe we, we do 50% more work or 50% more meeting. I mean, just have a meeting in Copenhagen will take me three hours uh, going and three hours coming. I mean, it's a full working day. So two weeks ago, we had to close down Aarhus uh, again because the numbers locally uh, went up. So now we are not closing down the whole country. But uh, we decided to close the municipality uh, workers uh, at the uh, municipality and also some of the large companies that have employees that could work from home, meaning that uh, the risk of being affected by virus in public transport and so on were less because the impact uh, was far less. So we are back to normal now at the office and, and the new normal is me working from home from time to time and others doing so as well. So we are creating our new normal. So do you think then this, uh, the, the day of the cubicle and the offices, is, is that over? Is that gone? Well, I could say yes, but I don't believe it. Uh, not completely. I mean, there will be days where it will be pretty empty at the, at the office. But uh, we'll see a combination of people being in the office and, and at home. And we already realized that uh, if you go for the office on the Monday and you're the only one there, then you start thinking, why should I go? So we have discussed being uh, picking Friday as the day to come and socialize and be able to meet your colleagues because we need to see each other from time to time. And uh, we also need the relationship to spark creativity. Uh, but certainly we need less office space during the week. But when we are together, we need more space to be safe together apart. So. That is all element we're taking into the designing of our new office. Uh, so it comes, uh, it comes at a good time. I, I like that what you just said. We, we need the space to be safe together apart. Uh, but you also hit on something very important. Humans are social creatures. That's, that's the way we are. We can't function in isolation. And the fact that you recognize that and your, your organization is saying, you know, do come in. We're going to be safe, but you, we do need to see each other. We need to see each other eye to eye and, and to recognizing that, that we're not just going to be working in our own little pods going into the future. So you've talked about how Aarhus Vond is an organization with a purpose aimed at health and innovation and inspiring in an, in an inspiring work environment. Are you able to stick to this, to this, your mission? Are you able to stick to this in, uh, despite the COVID-19 situation? Well, our, our new 2025 20, strategy uh, 
has the purpose of creating healthy life with uh, clean water for people and planet. And uh, I think uh, uh, the focus on health is more important than ever. And also hand washing is part of healthcare. So I think the coronavirus situation really picks on the importance of uh, why we are here. And this purpose, I'm sure, would stay for 50 or, or 100 years. Our vision that is uh, something outside Olsvand, which is creating a national platform to drive local and global solutions for healthier water uh, circulation. That is, a, that is a job for us to work on. And we have formed a Danish water cluster, which has uh, just been inaugurated in uh, October last year, where we focus on innovation. And we have realized that the virtual workshops that has been arranged is uh, much more efficient than uh, meeting face-to-face -face, uh, during the uh, day. Actually, it takes about a quarter of resources and also people who are normally not available for, for workshops uh, because they are busy having meetings and so on, are suddenly there and can participate uh, during part of the session. So we can organize that in a totally different way. So we move ahead on that uh, very quickly, more than expected. And that's another reason also for funding this platform, the national platform. It is important to have government funding. And uh, it is promising that the new Danish government that was uh, put in last year was actually based on people's wish that Denmark should be uh, reducing carbon emission by 70% in 2030 and live up to the global temperature goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius set in uh, the Paris Agreement. And it's a big pusher on some of the things that we are actually doing at the utility of Aarhus and known for, uh, for energy neutrality and uh, even carbon neutrality also at Marseillesport. And the recently established Climate Council has suggested that Denmark must take the lead and create a carbon neutral water sector by 2030, which is a, is a, a big hairy anxious goal, so to speak. Uh, but it is possible, and if both government and utilities invest in that, and that is part of our purpose, actually, to bring that out both in Denmark and the world. So we might have a stronger case in the future also, and we are able to do that, uh, despite the coronavirus situation. And then thirdly, we need to restart Denmark, uh, because uh, there's uh, also uh, unemployment uh, in Denmark, and there are jobs uh, not uh, coming back again. So we need to recreate an infrastructure, a new green future, and we better invest in that instead of just keep the boat floating. And uh, and I I really like the politician focusing uh, on that. And here before Christmas, they will they will launch uh, several initiatives in that field. And uh, we feel we are important on that mission. So our global goals for knowledge sharing, which is uh, one of the pillars in the strategy has a difficult time. We, were, we wanted to continue establishing hub and collaboration with the, uh, with the US. And uh, it is difficult, but it's not impossible as we can do virtual meeting like, like this, which could be faster, it could be cheaper. And uh, we are lucky to be well connected both to people and organization in, in the US, but also in the world that allows us to build on, on uh, our social capital established over the last five, seven years. So that'll be interesting. I don't see we are not able to fulfill our, our strategy as such. And we also 
make, has to make sure that our, our excellent basic service are in place in order to make sure that health in Denmark and for our customer is uh, at the right place. So we have a lot to do, which is interesting. Very impressive, Klaus. Very impressive with the, the goals and the vision of not only your organization, Arhus Vand, uh, but also how it ties into the, the larger structure of your society and the, the, the country as a whole. I'm going to end here, Klaus, uh, last uh, question, kind of go in a different direction, ask you a little personal question. So when this pandemic is over, what's the first thing that you want to do? Well, I was thinking uh, after these months that uh, meeting old and new friends could be great. Uh, I'm a very curious person and uh, uh, I like old friends, but meeting new friends and new culture is uh, something very close to my heart and it inspires me a lot in, in my daily work. I always thought of America being a superficial country. I mean, I had my pictures from movies and so on. I mean, and it doesn't fit except for the landscape, the beautiful landscapes and, and parks. But uh, I've never been more politely included in the water culture than in the U.S. And it made a big impression on me and my wife, Lisbeth. I, I'm very happy for that. Well, Klaus, we'd be happy to have you come back and visit. And I'd be surprised if there's anybody in the United States and Canada that hasn't met you yet, because <laughs> I know you've made an awful lot of friends since you've been traveling here. It's really great stuff. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Klaus, for giving us some really uh, memorable thoughts to ponder here. So the, our guest today has been Klaus Homan, the former trustee at the Water Environment Federation. Klaus, thank you so much for taking your time to uh, share your relevant experiences with us. Thank you, Tom. And uh, just to let you know that I and we in Denmark feel very lucky in this situation. And uh, it's not something that we really have planned for. And uh, we wish, and I wish everyone, uh, all the best listening to this program. Thank you for that, Klaus. This has been Take It From The Top with your host, Tom Kunitz, asking you to keep listening to WEF's Words on Water podcasts and to our next episode of Take It From The Top. Until next time, be positive and stay negative.